y'all hear the clock ticking folks we are 30 days away from the nfl draft 30 days away from the panthers for better or worse changing the trajectory of this franchise when we select our next quarterback who will hopefully be our franchise quarterback hey folks welcome to the show This is your host, Carolina Dad, and you are listening to the Two States, One Team podcast. Of course, this is the podcast where we talk all about your Carolina Panthers. I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who is listening and sharing. When I started this about a month and a half ago, I really did it for myself, and I'm still doing it for myself, but at the same time, I'm having a lot of fun. And I would love to see some success come out of this thing so that we could start doing more fun things like maybe getting some experienced guests on this show and or starting to give away tickets and just some cool Panthers-related stuff. But anyways, just want to say thank you because we are slowly moving up the Apple charts. Of course, you can listen to this podcast anywhere. I know a lot of people have iPhones. You can find me on Spotify. You can listen to it on your smart devices, all that good stuff. And if I'm not on a platform, let me know because I should be on every platform that's out there for you to listen to. But anyways... Let's dive into Panthers news. Of course, the hot topic is pro days. There have been three pro days up to this point as I'm recording this. C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Bryce Young. So I will be talking about those on today's episode. Anthony Richardson's pro day is coming after I'm recording this, so I'm still debating, and I guess we'll see when I get in here and you listen to it if I throw in his pro day. Honestly, I don't think I am simply because I feel like this is the C.J. Stroud-Bryce Young competition. So. Likely not going to be talking about his pro day, at least on this episode. But what are we going to be talking about? So, of course, I'll quickly go through some news you might have missed. There's really not too much that you missed. There were some updates in free agency. A player got traded that we'll talk about. Then I'm also going to talk about the updated depth chart. So we've made quite a few moves in free agency over the past week and a half, two weeks. What does our updated depth chart look like, especially now that we're moving to that 3-4 defense? And with all these additional players being brought in. What does this mean for the players on the roster? Who should be watching to be cut and or traded? So I'll talk about that. Then we'll talk about our draft needs. So as we've made all these moves outside of quarterback, our draft needs have shifted quite a bit and puts us in a really good position that I'll talk about. As I mentioned, I'll talk about the pro days for CJ, Bryce, and Will. Then I'm also going to do a quarterback analysis. Again, I'm going to keep you know, diving into this because like this has been the biggest decision that we're going to be making. But specifically, I want to look at the draft profile of the players. I'm going to read them out. And this is, you know, the NFL draft or excuse me, NFL.com draft profile that's available and to get your opinions on who do you think you would pick, not reading out the name, but based off of the analysis that's been put together. And then I've got some questions on who's actually making this pick. I've been listening to a lot of the national media, and I, uh, you know, they can be hit or miss, but one of the nice things about the Panthers having the number one pick right now and everyone knowing that we need a quarterback, 
The Panthers are in the news. They're taking the spotlight and running with this thing, and I, I know Tepper loves it. But that brings up the question, who, who's making this pick? David Tepper is very involved so far, and you've heard in multiple press conferences, Frank Wright mentioning Tepper, thinking Tepper, David, and Nicole. Just what's going on there? Is, is he the one making this pick for the franchise, or are we going to let our team of veteran NFL coaches make this decision? Anyways, something to ponder, definitely something to think about. Then we'll take a look at some prospects to watch. I've put together just an overview of some of the key positions. I'll quickly go through those. And man, then at the end, I I guess we're going to fit this all into one episode. We'll do a mock draft 2.0. This may be the longest episode that I ever record. Who knows? I mean, I feel like all these episodes are getting a little bit longer, which is great. The issue is you have limited time to, to get these in between work and the baby and life. So I'm trying to keep it consolidated to, you know, 35, 45 minutes, but I guess some of them will spill over into an hour. One thing to call out that's kind of funny as we talk about recording these. So you may have noticed kind of a weird break between the last podcast. I, I can't remember the, the timing mark. May have been like 20 some minutes or a little bit later. So I recorded the first half of the podcast on one day when my wife was out with the baby. And I recorded the second half at about 11 o'clock on Tuesday night before I released the episode. And I was much, much quieter on that end. And you could, I, I think you could tell, maybe you didn't, but I could tell I was much quieter when I went back and recorded over the second half of the podcast because I was trying not to wake the baby. Just something funny. Anyways, I'm going to try to knock this out in one setting so we don't have to have that happen again. But anyways, let's talk about some of the news that you might have missed. And the biggest news is there's been some additions to the coaching staff. We're seeing Reich bring in a few of his guys. Now, when he you know, brought in the big names across the board, you know, coordinator positions, he did kind of go out of his circle. But now as we start to feel some of the smaller roles around those positions and coaches, I think what we're seeing is that guys are bringing in people that they're comfortable with or have worked with before. But anyways, let's jump in. And I I laugh at this because the Panthers keep harping on this experience. And good gosh, I hope it pays off. Because if you recall in one of the episodes that I brought up, we talked about the X number years of coaching experience. I think at the time it was like 175, 195. Who knows what it was of coaching experience? Well, now, folks, we've hit the 200 200, uh, year mark here. I don't know what the heck that means in football terms, but we have over 200 years of NFL coaching experience. I mean, I guess we're dating ourselves way back, going you know back to the early days of America here as far as how far back we can go with this. But anyways, let's talk about those additions very quickly. So, and I went through the name pronunciation of these before I recorded this, and I may butcher these, so I just want to say sorry. I did my best to get these figured out. But anyways, the Panthers have added Bobby Mafai as a defensive quality control coach, Mike Berkovakai and Jamel Mutunga as offensive assistants, and then Mayor Chadahari as a defensive assistant, and then Tyler Bowles as an offensive quality control and assistant to the head coach. Now I went through, and you can actually go through these draft profiles, or not draft profiles, excuse me, coaching profiles and see the ties. And a lot of these coaches actually have ties, whether to Frank Wright or Thomas Brown or uh, Ivero. But 
that's just to kind of highlight and round out the staff that we have so far. So we're seeing that continue to matriculate as we put together the team here. That's really, if I'm being honest and I look over the Panthers news that's happened, I think that's honestly the biggest news that's happened over the past like week, week and a half, two weeks. But anyways, let's talk about free agency because free agency is still happening and there's still some deals that are being made on the market. Number one, folks, if you remember when I started this, one of the first episodes or earlier episodes I talked about are the Panthers going to have a kicking competition? Now, this was me assuming that we would bring back Eddie Pinheiro. Now, I knew that the Panthers would not have two kickers on the roster. You just don't have the ability to do that with the 53-man roster. But I said, hey, maybe we bring back Pinheiro and Zane Gonzalez, and they have this kicking competition, and we can trade one of them and maybe get something in return. Well, the Panthers just did a complete 180, and I was I was honestly shocked when this news popped up. So the first thing that popped up was that the Panthers were bringing back Eddie Pinheiro, and at the time, there was really no other news related to Zane, and so everyone was under the impression or assumption that Zane Gonzalez was going to be cut, and I was too. I was like, wow, we're cutting Zane Gonzalez, and honestly, it makes a little bit of sense if we were to cut him. Because he is coming off of an injury, a, a significant injury for a kicker, in, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know. I was like, well, maybe we do bring him back. What's this going to shape up to? Well, the Panthers did a smart thing. There is obviously a demand for NFL kickers. And so what do we do? You know, I think we've got two things forming here. Honestly, three things. So if y'all remember, we're going back a little bit there for a little while. Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills, because McDermott came from the Panthers. He was like basically taking all of these Panthers retreads up to him in Buffalo. And it was like the Buffalo Panthers up there. And this past year, we've seen the Chicago Panthers being formed with Moore and Walker and Foreman and the things that are happening there, which is pretty funny. Well, now we've got the San Francisco Panthers. So, of course, they've taken Wilkes. They've taken McCaffrey, as well as a few other key pieces. Well, they are also taking Zane Gonzalez. And I'm okay with that. So they got Zane Gonzalez and we traded for a 2025 compensational pick. So compensational pick depends on Zane's performance. And I don't know the terms of that pick as far as like how often he has to play. But as a Panthers fan, here's what you want to happen. You want Zane to go out there, as I've said, kick the crap out of the ball, make a bunch of field goals, do really well unless he's playing us, get him to sign an extension, Stay out there because then that'll make that pick that much better. Now, it is a kicker, so I don't know when we talk about compensational picks, how that weighs in. I don't know if compensational picks are weighted based off of a position, but I do know it's weighted based off of performance. So we want him to perform well unless he's playing us so that in 2025, we get a really nice pick in return, especially as we talk about us trading away our picks. But when you talk about Eddie Pinheiro, I know there were the struggles there specifically against the Falcons last year. And people were like, get him out of here. We don't want him, you know, bring somebody off the street to come in and kick. But he he finished the year solid. He hit 94.3% of his field goals, 33 of 35, and ended on 19 field goals made. He was also 30 of 32 on extra points. He was actually pretty close to breaking John Casey's Panthers record for field goals. So This guy's good and he's reliable. You know what you're getting out of him. You don't know what you're getting out of Zane Gonzalez who's coming back off of an injury. So 
Very interesting there. I was not expecting that move, and I'm glad we got compensation versus just cutting Gonzalez. So other free agency news, you know, like I said last week, I talked all about the moves that we made in between here. The other one that I was highlighting towards the end of my podcast, and it's been brought up a little bit, is DJ Chark. Now, DJ Chark was signed with the Panthers on a one-year contract, and I love this move specifically because it gives himself a chance to prove himself. It doesn't tie us down if he doesn't work out and he does get injured. We're just not the guy. We move on. We both move on next year and things are fine. But what this does is solidify the wide receiver position. So, and I'll talk about this as we go into the draft. The Panthers, in my opinion, are in a position now to draft the best available player with each one of their picks. Of course, we know the Panthers are going to draft a quarterback first. That's going to be the you know number one player off the board. But then you move down and you look at our second round pick and it, it makes things much better for us because now we're not having to stretch and maybe draft a guy who, you know, let's say we have a needed receiver or tight end or this, this, and this. It doesn't force us to have to reach down and get someone who may be a third or fourth round talent just because we need to fill that position. It allows us to truly See who is the best best player out here. Is it a linebacker? Is it an edge rusher? Is it a cornerback? Is it, you know, offensive lineman? And it gives us a ton of flexibility because in honest in all honesty, the team is very solidified now, which is just great to see, as I've said many times. So I'm excited about that. I'll talk about what I think our philosophy is going to be. But one of the things in my opinion, this this does is when we think about that second round pick that we have, that's like, you know, pick number eight in the second round. Do we as an organization think about trading up? Like, do we want to move back into the first round and potentially get a number true number one receiver? I know our wide receiver room is full, but do we take that second round pick and third round, maybe a third rounder, whatever it is, and try to move back up and get a true talent or an edge rusher, someone to compliment Burns, whatever it is. So that's something to watch for, but I think it's just a breath of fresh air that we're not having to go into this draft, absolutely having to get X number of positions or players or whatever it is from that standpoint. But the other thing is we talk about free agency. That's really your news wrapped up there. Talking about the cap space, I mean, I don't know what magic fitter put together here. I mean, if you remember us going into free agency, I kept saying we don't have that much money to make moves. We did not. We did not have money, but there was a ton of restructuring. And of course, we were waiting on some deals to shake out to get the final terms. Now I'm waiting on the official terms for Chark and Pinheiro. But right now we have about $28 million in cap space. And we're, that's that's tied or is number two in the league. The only team that has more cap space than us now, right now, is the Chicago Bears, and they came into it well above everyone else in the league. So I am just blown away at the work that the front office has done, and it makes me wonder: like Fitter was here under Matt Rule, was Matt Rule the one you know limiting us, or what was happening there? I don't know, but this is just like a true breath of fresh air. So twenty-eight million dollars. So. Again, there's tons of moves there. We talked about Hopkins, or I've talked about Hopkins a little bit. We can definitely afford him now. He's got a $19 million salary. Of course, I would want the Cardinals to take on a portion of that. But there's definitely opportunity if the Panthers wanted to put together a trade package for that second round pick to get Hopkins. I don't know. At that point, you've got a very crowded room and you've got Hopkins who's coming off, or you know Hopkins that, of course, missed a little bit at the start of the year for 
PEDs. I don't know, you know, he's getting up in age if that's what we would want to do. I'd rather build around a younger receiving core. But anyways, it does change our outlook a little bit for 2024, but we're still in a very good position. So roughly $89 million in cap space heading into next offseason. Of course, we know there's going to have to be some moves made with guys coming back, et cetera, et cetera. Bringing in this draft class we're going to have to sign and all that good stuff. But overall, puts us in a really good position. The other thing to watch as we talk about what we have available, and this is the likely something that I think would happen over the summer, is Brian Burns. So Bitter talked about in his press conference last week that one of the priorities is talking to Brian Burns' staff and team or his agents about a contract extension. And he said that would likely happen after the NFL draft. So something to keep your eyes on as we move forward there. But man, so much news. Very exciting times, y'all. I mean, this is it feels like this is it, this is the best offseason the Panthers have had hands down in ever. I mean, I I don't know what you could really compare this to with what they have done. But now, let's shift our focus and look at the updated depth chart. With all the moves that we made, it is hard to keep track, at least it was for me of where we stand. And so I think it's important to look at our updated depth chart, especially as we move into the draft to think about what we're going to need. So let's take a look. We'll go through this and I'll also highlight players that I think may be cut or, you know, we'll see, traded. So wide receiver number one, Adam Thielen. I think that's a no-brainer. Terrace Marshall, wide receiver number two. And then it, I think it's going to be up for debate. DJ Chark or LaVisca Chanel at wide receiver three. The chart I'm looking at, I think we would probably put Shark in there. Now, LaVisca Chenault, you know, specifically in the offense that we ran last year, was kind of that Debo Samuel type player. We saw him on a lot of bubble screens, getting out in space. He's a really big dude. So I don't know, you know, where he fits into this scheme, but I do like him and how we could complement this, you know, potentially as being that kind of hybrid receiver type running back. And then you have Shai Smith. So I think those are like your top five who I would say like, yes, they're 100% on the roster unless, of course, there's like a trade or something or injury. Left tackle, Iki Aquanu. Left guard, Brady Christensen. Center, Bradley Bozeman. Right guard, Austin Corbett. And Taylor Moten at right tackle. And we do know Austin is coming off an injury. But we also know this offensive line was our starting offensive line last year, be our starting offensive line this year, and it's secured to be our starting offensive line next year in 2024. So this is great. I love the depth here, but of course, we're also going to need some players to fill in. We know the injuries happen. So Cade Mays, Justin McCray, who we just brought in, Sam Tecklenburg, Arnell Coleman, and then Deontay Brown. One thing to watch is kind of in this unofficial depth chart that we have breaking down, there's not really a true backup for Taylor Moten. Although I think some of these guys, especially McCray, was brought in to fill in multiple positions. So keep your eyes open there. Tight end, we know that Hayden Hurst is our number one tight end. He's our pass catcher, opens up this offense. Ian Thomas would be in the you know our package where we have multiple tight ends or two tight ends, I should say. And then Tommy Tribble. So I think those are your three tight ends. Now, Trimble may be moving into kind of an fullback type model coming out of the backfield for certain things and or blocking and then moving further out and kind of that same fullback type mindset, Giovanni Ritchie and Steven Sullivan. 
That's who you're looking at there. Good old quarterback. It's funny to look at this. Uh, we have Andy Dalton technically, I guess, because Matt Corral's hurt. Andy Dalton right now listed as QB1. If we're being honest, we know that whoever we draft, Young, Stroud, they're going to be QB1. Then you'll have Dalton. Then we have Matt Corral, again, who I think we're going to have to move and or, or excuse me, and Jacob Eason. I think Jacob Eason's going to have to be practice squad or he'll definitely be cut. Running back position. We know we brought in Miles Sanders from the Eagles. We have Chuba Hubbard. Good one-two punch there, in my opinion. They're pretty similar backs. Then we have Raheem Blackshear and Spencer Brown. So four running backs, as I've mentioned, we know that Deuce Staley's talked about that three-back approach, just interchanging guys. So I'm interested to see if we do something in the draft at running back, if there is someone that falls to us a little bit later. I don't see us, you know, second, third round trying to get a running back unless there's someone who just, like, blows us away. That's your updated offensive depth chart. Now let's look at the defense. Again, we have shifted to this 3-4 defense. So it changes the personnel grouping of the players that were here. And we've seen a bunch of new guys coming in. So right now, defensive end, Deshaun Williams, who was brought over from Denver. Derek Brown coming in as our nose tackle. And then Shai Tuttle, who we brought over from New Orleans as our defensive tackle. Yatir Grossmatos right now is our left outside linebacker. Our left inside linebacker is Frankie Luvu, is who we have listed. I think that makes sense. Then Shaq Thompson is our right inside linebacker, but he's more of our strong side, middle side, or middle linebacker there. Uh, and of course, Brian Burns rounding out the right outside linebacker position. We look next at cornerback. We know J.C. Horn, of course, lockdown corner out of South Carolina. Von Bell at strong safety, Xavier Woods at free safety, and then Dante Jackson as our right cornerback. And then the nickelback position is Jeremy Chin, who we know will float in and out at different uh, personnel groups. So that's your chart there. So again, that's a very solid defense in my opinion. And looking at kind of the depth, I think we still need, as I've mentioned, some help at edge, which I think we'll address through the draft. Because looking at our backups right now, we have Henry Anderson, Raquine Williamson, and then a nose tackle, Bravian Roy, and Marquand McCall. Our outside, or I guess our yeah, outside linebacker depth, we have Barno, Marquise Haynes Sr., and then Kobe Jones. From a inside linebacker position, Brandon Smith, who keep our eyes open there, and then Aaron Mosby as well as Chandler Wooten. Cornerback's interesting because we've seen some injuries at cornerback or you know issues at cornerback the last few years with players going out. We have C.J. Henderson, who honestly, man, I feel like just watching Panthers social media last year when I wasn't creating this, I think every Panthers fan, not me, but I think every Panthers fan hated this guy. And I mean, rightfully so. There were definitely some times where he just got burnt. Burnt for no reason, and it seemed like it was every time he was out there. And then he'd get burnt or go ahead and tackle a guy who was like, you know, beat him by 10 yards, but he didn't need to tackle him because the ball wasn't even coming there or it was way overthrown. I feel like that happened all the time. And then, you know, the team's getting the ball at the one-yard line. I feel like that happened like multiple times. So anyways, and uh, Keith Taylor. So that's really rounding out your depth chart. So overall, like. 
I feel solid there. I know we're going to need to get some things addressed in the draft, but if you look at what we have on paper today, very solid defense. Then we know our special teams has been updated. We have Johnny Hecker, our punter. Eddie Pinheiro is our new kicker, or officially our new kicker. And then J.J. Jansen, longest tenured Panther, is our long snapper. So that's what you got, folks. That really rounds out your team. And as you can see, if you're counting players or you're looking up the depth chart, you can clearly see that we're carrying well over 53. Again, not counting the draft. So I've already kind of talked about it as I went through it. But things to watch, again, at that wide receiver position, we're not going to carry eight or nine wide receivers. So Preston Williams, C.J. Saunders, Derek Wright are some of the guys to watch. One thing is interesting about C.J. Saunders is he was there when C.J. Stroud started at Ohio State. He's had a bunch of injuries, unfortunately. He actually looked good in training camp last year and got hurt. But I would keep your eyes open there. He may be a special teams guy. Tight end slash, you know, fullback, Giovanni Ritchie, of course, and Steven Sullivan. And running back, I'd say if we bring on another running back through the draft, of course, that would be a position to watch for. Jacob Eason and Matt Corral, the quarterback we know we're going to draft a quarterback. We're not going to carry four or five quarterbacks into the season. I think it'll be essentially be Dalton, whoever we draft, maybe Corral. But I don't know if the Panthers want that distraction. It's not really a distraction, but you know the media would love for us to draft someone at number one and then have Matt Corral coming in behind them, potentially giving them a run for their money, saying like, oh yeah, you drafted this guy. What a, And then you've got Matt Corral over here actually looking good. I don't know, maybe, maybe the Panthers play him a little bit in the preseason to get some interest in some teams and then trade him away once they've seen that, you know, maybe he is all right. That, that would be something to do. But I don't know if they want to even consider that, you know, get that far into it. And cornerback position, Herb, Herb Miller, excuse me, and Thomas Oliver III is some players that could potentially be cut. So we know these things are going to shape up. We know that as we move into the offseason and or training camp that, you know, there could be injuries that pop up. There could be team, other teams that have injuries and need needs and potentially look to, you know, move some of the guys here. So Obviously, it's very, very early. I mean, the Panthers will carry 90, 95, almost 100 players into training camp. And then, of course, start making their roster cuts as we move through the preseason. So all this will be speculation. And we'll obviously start getting into who I think will really be this on the final 53-man roster as we move in. But one thing to note, as I said when I you know was recording one of my earlier episodes, as I really got into watching the Panthers last year and tracking the depth chart. Injuries happen all over the place. So when you see some of these third, fourth, fifth string players that you're like, oh man, I don't know who that guy is, or there's no way he's going to make that, you know, play. There's a lot of times last year where the Panthers had to move and bring up guys that were on the practice squad. I mean, we saw them last year bring in Josh Norman, who was working in his coffee shop in Atlanta. He played cornerback for us after not playing in the NFL for at least a year. I mean, weirder things happen. So there's obviously a need for depth, and the Panthers can carry up to 16 players on the practice squad that they've officially signed. So you you may see instances where some of these guys that may be teetering the line of actually being a starter moving over to the practice squad. So I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. 
I just like to kind of highlight and talk through what we're seeing there. All right. So if we're talking about the draft and our draft needs, it's clear what we need. I'd say our number one need right now is quarterback. Since we've addressed wide receiver, tight end, and running back, I'm moving those down. I think the next thing in line is going to be linebacker or edge. And then, honestly, it it could be a toss-up between offensive line and wide receiver as far as like what I'd say is our third need. Now, I think you could interchange this if the Panthers are really saying like best player available and we're drafting where we are and there's, you know, just a really good position that's there, wide receiver, cornerback, whoever it is, I could definitely see that being, you know, that happening. But those are my thoughts of the needs that we have to address. Like I said, the moves that we made put us in this position to outside of quarterback, honestly, draft whoever we need, which is a great, great thing to go into the drafts, especially when you have other teams below you that are looking to potentially move up or they're a little more desperate and they need things from you. So all good there. All right, y'all, let's move on and talk about the subject everybody wants to talk about, the pro days. So, you know, these are overhyped, scripted, no pass rush, no defenders, but hey, it's a good chance just to see the arm, meet the players, they get to show off in their home turf, all that good stuff. So let's talk about the pro days. So this past week was a busy week for the Panthers, and I think they were bringing like 10 to 12 players with them throughout, you know, throughout the week as they went to see Stroud, then Young, and Levis. And if you followed me on Instagram, you could see the highlights that I posted of each of the quarterbacks, just a very, you know, brief reel. I got to go through and watch the highlights on YouTube. Like I said, I'm a working man and have a family, so I did not get to just sit down in front of the TV and watch the full pro day to see each one of these guys, you know, the the full session. But I did get to watch the highlights from each one of these. And I mean, I don't think there was anything that was learned that we didn't already know. It was what you would expect out of a pro day. It's a chance for them to show off. Obviously, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes leading up to the pro day with dinner and one-on-ones with the players. I think, of course, the number one thing is like the Panthers, again, are in the spotlight. Tepper has been very involved taking these players and prospects out to dinner the prior nights. And honestly, you know, that was something, as I was sitting here, I know I'm an average Joe, but I was trying to think about if I, number one, was a number one prospect's a whole different story. But if I was just a college guy, like if I was thinking back to when I was like in my 20s, 21, 22, and was thinking about a career, obviously in the NFL and being drafted, how much pressure and or how my nerves would be going out to eat with the owner of an NFL team. Now, I know these guys, like specifically Stroud, Young, Levis, and even Anthony Richardson, like, I know these guys have been exposed to some big time situations, especially Stroud and Young playing, you know, in the college football playoff, playing for conference championships, playing in the Big Ten and the SEC, of course. And I know that they have been exposed to those environments. I mean, they we went to a South Carolina game this past year, and I think that was louder than any Bank of America game for the Carolina Panthers that I've been to. Was definitely louder than any North Carolina Tar Heels football game. Just throw that out there. 
had to do that for fun, folks. I am a I am a Carolina fan, but I have to joke about that. But anyways, like I I try to think through the dynamic of what that would be like because I mean, yes, they're these are men, they're young men, but I think about what I would be like in that situation, and I can't fathom it. I can't imagine, you know, one day, of course, you're talking talking to the media through college, you're going through your training and your workouts, and then you're like, oh, yep, you're going to be a top prospect in the draft, and you're getting ready, and now, oh, yeah, you're going to go out to eat with a billionaire, and he's going to take you out to dinner with him and his wife. You're going to meet with a bunch of NFL coaches and executives who have tons of experience. That is so much pressure. And of course, you've got the age of social media where everything is documented, everybody's watching your tweets, your social media, you know, your posts on Instagram, all this stuff. That's that is that is so much. I mean, I don't know how a, a kid gets prepared to go through and do that. So just applauding Stroud Young Levis. We haven't seen Richardson yet, but just being able to do that because they're right there at the center of attention. And I, like I said, I can't imagine what that is like for them. But anyways, nothing new, in my opinion, was gained from this. Because as I've stated, and I'll get into my analysis here in a minute, I think this is the Stroud and Young competition. I mean, I will say, you know, looking at Levis, Levis has got a big arm. So I think who and the Panthers, in my opinion, are not going to draft him. He's not in the competition. But Levis has a solid arm. and. There's no doubt whoever gets him, they're going to get a you know really good prospect there. So interesting to see where he lands. But talking through you know the pro day itself, as far as the throws, you didn't learn much there. But what you do learn is about the player, you know, from the coaches talking to their friends, their family, the other coaches. I think they even said in one of the articles, like talking to the equipment manager. You're trying to understand this this prospect, and if you think about this from Tepper's perspective, as we talk about Tepper being involved in this. If you have this billion dollar company, who's going to be coming into your, you know, your team trying to sell tons of tickets over the next few seasons and getting hype around the city and generating you tons of revenue? You want to ensure that they're going to be, you know, buttoned up off the field and on the field so that you're not getting into, you know, issues drafting the wrong guy. But that it's very interesting to see that. And so like you learn those things. There's a lot of good conversations that happen outside of it. <laughs> there's, there's this funny one. And oh my gosh, the, the funny thing is the Panthers, they, they know what they're doing as far as like the Panthers social media. They were trolling everybody. They posted some of the videos of the Panthers staff meeting with each player after after their throwing session, but they didn't post the audio. But you can, you know, lip lip read. Of course, people were trying to lip read everything that's coming through on the NFL network. Someone said that when Josh McCown was talking to CJ Stroud, that he said, they're talking about playing horse, that when you're in Charlotte and oh my God, you know, we'll find a basketball court. And it was like, everybody just completely lost it. Like, oh my gosh, now we know we're picking Stroud. I don't think that's the case. I mean, you got to think about this going into this, you're courting. Obviously, it's not like in college where you're trying to recruit the guy, but at the same time, you want them to feel comfortable and get to know them so that you know who you're bringing in. And so like, I think in every one of these situations, they probably said, yeah, when you come into Charlotte or, and there's rumors that, I think there was some rumor that Anthony Richardson's staff was looking for uh, apartments or condos down there. Like, I don't believe or buy into any of that hype at all. It's just like, that's going to happen. I mean, if you think about, if you were going through an interview process or trying to get to know someone 
And you think about the interview of when you get to the point where like when you work for us or when you start, and I think if someone's a viable candidate, like you're going to say those things, like they're just going to slip. We're all humans. People try to overanalyze this stuff to like the T and the periods. And I'm like, no, man, that's just common language of of being a person and who you are. Like if I'm interviewing somebody I really like, I'm going to say, yeah, man, I, I'd love to have you here. And, you know, when we get you started, those are the things you're going to say because you want them to feel comfortable. So anyways, I don't buy into the any of that. But when we talk about the pro days, the the one thing that stood out to me, there were some good write-ups that the Panthers put together on their website if you have not had a chance to do that. Just talking through the things that Stroud's been through, Young, and I'm going to highlight those specifically. But one of the things that really stood out to me was kind of the write-up on Bryce Young. And especially when we start dissecting these two prospects and thinking about who is our guy. Now, throwing out... Throwing out the you know size difference, I mean, I think as we really get into the weeds of who's who, it's almost like Bryce Young is the clear number one in my opinion right now. And I'm, I, I've got to have an opinion. I do. That's the point of this podcast is for me to have an opinion on this stuff and not sit on the sidelines. Of course, I'm going to be non-biased and give you the best. I think either guy is going to be well. But you hear Nick Saban. And there's interviews out there from you know them talking about this. You hear Nick Saban talking about the work ethic of Bryce Young and saying, you know, Young was the one who was watching film of the game before the coaches. And when you get to this level, to this next level, those are the things that you have to do in order to win. And especially when you have that size differential, if we're if we're gonna we're gonna talk about size. And that's not to say that CJ Stroud wasn't doing that and Maybe his coach and Ryan Day didn't get on there and say, you know, CJ is there at three in the morning watching tape and working out. But I think it's consistent. When you have those words coming from Nick Saban, a coach that has produced NFL talent across the board, always has, especially at the quarterback position as of late, it says a lot. And I don't think Nick Saban, and we all know Nick Saban's not going to sit out here and give compliments to people. Like, it's just not him, man. You know that. And so for him to like emphasize the fact that this kid works hard, he understands, he's focused on learning the schemes and reads and you know knowing what's coming at him and scouting like those are intangible things. Learning the game and having the knowledge of the game and the reads like those are things that they will they will make up for themselves when we talk about height differences and things like that. So that's really all I've got in terms of the pro day recap, I mean, hey, you, you can take it for what it is when we go out there and, and talk about this stuff. But anyways, let's keep this rolling when we talk about quarterbacks. And this is something fun. So I thought what I would do is go out here and pull up the NFL.com draft profile for our quarterbacks, the top four quarterbacks. I want to go through some of their strengths and weaknesses and have you you know, figure out who is who and see if this will change your perspective on the player and who we're drafting. So we'll go through the first prospect here. I'm not going to tell you who it is until we get through this. So doesn't hesitate to attack with his throws, has the arm strength to air it out toward the sideline with accuracy, finds ways to platform throws when forced to move his feet, tape shows ability to get through progressions, enough arm talent to pump and reset and then release. Most naturally accurate top-tier quarterback. 
Puts it on frame, allowing receivers to catch in stride and keep rolling. So those are the strengths for this quarterback prospect. Let's look at the weaknesses. Hesitance to use his legs can put a cap on his success rate. Labors to get squared to target when rolling out. Needs a clear scan for potential pressure points near the line of scrimmage. Needs to play with better recognition and respect for safeties. Inconsistent activating lower body torque on drive throws. Interceptions arise when he refuses to come off his primary receiver. Whoa, what? Interceptions arise when he refuses to come off his primary receiver. That's huge, folks. That means that he's got this one receiver read, whoever this is, I'm not going to tell you who it is, and that he's got to make a read, or if he has to come off of his primary read, he's likely to throw an interception. Folks, this is the NFL. NFL's defenses are going to scheme to where you have to look at your second, third, fourth receiver and or a check down. So that worries me for, for this prospect. And like, I know this isn't everything. These are just words that people play. People are watching film and put these things together and that's huge. All right, let's move to our, our next prospect. Look at the strengths. Calm demeanor on the field. Played in a pro style attack that required full field reads. I love that. Shows the ability to dial up focus in big fourth quarter situations. He can handle the pressure. Oh my gosh, I love this. Uses eye manipulation to create easier throws, locates and avoids lurking trouble in zone coverage. Oh my gosh, this is just sounding better by the minute. Good operation time with a compact release. Unfazed by incoming rush and makes the ball delivery his priority. Good rush awareness and pocket mobility. Actively reroutes his receivers when plays extended. Makes defenses pay when he breaks contain and improvises. Holy crap. Who, if you had to compare like who this is in today's NFL, I'd say that's Patrick Mahomes to a T. And good gosh, if you're telling me we can get a Patrick Mahomes in this draft, holy crap, sign me up. All right, talk about weaknesses. Durability will be a concern. Has a tendency to run receivers up against the boundary. Leaves his lower half behind on drives at times. Needs to prove he can find reads quickly and stay on schedule. Deep throws come out flat and lose energy. Doesn't run as often as he could to counter the rush and pick up first down. So kind of an overview there. But good gosh, if you look at the strengths and weaknesses comparing those two. And I think this is how I'm going to do it because here we are, folks. You know what? I'm cutting to the chase. These are your top two prospects right here. The first one that I read was C.J. Stroud. He is being compared to Jared Goff in terms of who they have him on the draft profile. The bottom one was Bryce Young. And now if you were to analyze excluding size and moving that out of the question, tell me who you are taking. I mean, tell me on paper, who are you taking? I mean, it is so clear. And honestly, as I went into this, I don't think I had put enough time and effort into like looking at both of these prospects. Bryce Young's your clear number one, folks. Now, if the Panthers, again, like I've said, if the Panthers take Stroud, we'll be okay. But I think Bryce Young's your number one. You have those intangibles on here that were listed out to clearly show he is, he's got it. He's got the things that you need to succeed in the NFL. And it's there, folks. And he has been doing this for the past three seasons with Alabama. People want to talk about durability. Yes, in size, but at the same time, you got to think about he was doing this with, I think there was a stat, I remember 
At one point last year during college football, there was a stat that the offensive line for Alabama was larger than or the average size of the NFL offensive line. So you're telling me he's going to have trouble? He, he had no trouble at Alabama throwing the ball, but you're telling me when he gets to the NFL, he's going to have trouble? Yes, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to adjust, but I think he has been adjusting his entire life. He's been this size. It's not like he just woke up one day and the competition was, you know, 10 times bigger than he is. He's been doing it his whole life. There's a reason he was like a top prospect and that he's been able to succeed at Alabama the way that he has. So anyways, folks, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Obviously, you know, I am, uh, I'm buying into to Bryce Young as the number one pick right now, folks. That's just where I'm at. Maybe next week it changes, but it's hard for me to look at what it's presented there and not say like, yep, he's definitely the clear choice. So I I'm not I have it on here. I was gonna go through uh Will Levis and uh Anthony Richardson. I guess I'll no, I, I'm not going to. They're they're nowhere near um Nowhere near those two in terms of their profile. So I, I'm not even going to read it. But if if you're interested, you can go out there. You'll basically see for both of those prospects that they are projected that by year two or three that they would be a viable starter. Of course, Stroud and Young are seen as year one starters, which I think I, I think all these these quarterbacks are going to start year one. But obviously, the the proven ones are there. Anyways. The other thing, when we start talking about these quarterbacks, this is something that was very interesting for me. It's like in my mind as I'm thinking about C.J. Stroud, think about the weapons that he has had in college comparing to to Bryce Young. So I went through the list. Of course, this year, Jackson Smith and Jigba is listed as probably the top prospect at receiver, maybe number two. Marvin Harrison Jr., who will from this past season is going to be a 2024 top one or two pick at the receiver. Emika Egbuka, 2024 top one or two pick. So this past season, he had three receivers that are likely going to be a top receiver in the NFL, like a wide receiver one. So that says a lot just about the weapons that are around him. And of course, you may say, well, they look so great and they're so awesome because he can get them the ball and this, this, and this. Like, no, there's a clear reason or, or a clear distinction between this. The other two receivers that he had while, you know, during this time of where he's got this group of receivers over the last two seasons, Garrett Wilson, who was a rookie this past year, had a thousand yards receiving in the NFL. And Chris Olave, who we saw on the New Orleans Saints cross division rival, a thousand yards. So that is a ton of production. So Stroud has had weapons. He's had weapons all around him. And you compare that to Bryce Young, in 2022, Bryce Young did not have a 1,000-yard receiver. It was dispersing the ball, but I think it was clear to see that he did not have a true you know, next NFL-level talent that he's slinging the ball to and winning. He also did not really have any top like one or two picks. Now, heading into like next year, you've got Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton that maybe they're going to be top 10 picks. I mean, still still something to to see there, but I think it's clear when you start comparing the weapons that the two have had during their time in college and then look at the production and and compare, like Bryce Young is doing a lot more with a lot less. And when you're in the NFL, you got to do a lot more with a lot less. 
you're not going to be guaranteed to have, you know, two or three number one receivers that are just off the charts, able to come out here and ball. And we've seen that. We can see that with the, the roster that the Panthers have today. It's clear that our wide receiver room is potentially not even going to have a true number one wide receiver in it. So you're going to have to be able to disperse the ball around, take your reads, get your check downs, move off the, the primary receiver in order to be successful. And I think that's exactly what Bryce Young is going to be able to do. So, man. That was fun. All right. We're moving through this episode, folks. And now let's talk about who is making this pick. Now, this was interesting because, you know, like I said, I listen to the national media. The Panthers are getting so much attention right now. Like, it's it's pretty cool for me. I'm like, oh, yeah. And y'all talking about the Panthers? This is this is nice. Um, But I was listening to ESPN Radio, Fitz and Harry, and they said, well, who's actually making this pick? And I, I have to agree. I 100% have to agree. Is this Frank Wright? Is this Thomas Brown? Is this the coaching staff that is making this pick at number one? Or is Tepper involved? And we've seen Tepper being involved at every one of these pro days. Tepper's the one, him and his wife, that are taking these prospects out to dinner. We've heard multiple times in these news conferences where Frank Wright continually, even when when Frank Wright talked about trading up for the number one pick, Wright was like, yeah, and we discussed this with Tepper, Mr. Tepper, and this was like the best option that was available. And I'm like, man, how involved is this guy? What, what is he doing? I mean, I get wanting to be involved as your business, but at some, some point, you know, we've always heard that the best managers just let the people hire people that are better than them to run the show. And that's exactly what you've done by bringing in all this experience. So let, let our team, our scouts, our coaches make this decision, please. That's all I'm asking. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be the one who has the final say, but we also hear multiple reports that Tepper likes this, you know, Schefter's coming out here and saying Tepper likes this guy over this guy or comparing like, you know, let's say Adam Schefter says that Tepper likes Young and that Reich likes Stroud or vice versa. And that's what we're hearing. And I think that's just going to cause a lot of confusion and Obviously not the way we want to start this new regime, this new era for the Panthers. So I don't know. I hope that's not the case. But we got to be realistic. We have to be honest with with Reich saying that. I hope he's not a puppet up there. I hope. I hope he's got this decision and the free will to make it. I mean, if you're letting Matt Rule pick a long snapper in the draft and posting that on social media is like, oh man, call it up the long snapper and tell him he's drafted last year. Come on now. Come on now. Let Frank Wright Cook. As the kids say, let him cook, y'all. Let him cook, please. That's all I'm asking. Oh, man. Anyways, we'll see. We'll see. Let's let's move ahead, folks. I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, we still actually got a little bit, but I, I very quickly wanted to go through some prospects to watch as we head into the draft. And we'll, of course, go into this in more detail or at least in the coming weeks. One of the things I'm, I'm brainstorming is how I want to handle the draft. Specifically, like the recap, you know, the first round, of course, is just going to be one day. The second day is the second and third round. And then we know the remaining rounds, uh, fourth through seventh, come on the last day. But I'm thinking about doing some type of show and recap after each one of those to kind of see where we are. Anyways, let's look at the wide receiver position. So I don't know if these guys are going to be available. But again, so looking at your top 10 prospects, I think the Panthers are, are closer to getting like the bottom five in, with our second round pick. But anyways, Quentin Johnson out of TCU. He's the number one prospect there, clear number one. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I mentioned out of Ohio State, Jordan Addison out of USC, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, Zay Flowers, Boston College, Josh Downs, who I've mentioned out of North Carolina. He's a little bit smaller frame. Nathaniel Dell out of Houston. He's a little bit smaller as well. He's 5'8", 165. Man, he's almost my size. I, I weigh more than him. And I'm, I guess I'm technically 5'7 with shoes. 5'6". <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Uh, Rasheed Rice out of SMU. Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. And then Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. And those are kind of your top prospects. Now, looking at the list outside of Quentin Johnson, who's like a very big build, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, a lot of the next tier guys like Jordan Addison, Hyatt, Flowers, Downs, Dell are like six foot or under. So kind of that smaller, faster, speedy receiver. Looking out at linebacker, I guess this is like linebacker and edge. I think we are kind of in the bottom tier here as well, like halfway if we're thinking about our second round pick, assuming we're getting quarterback. Uh, Will Anderson Jr., of course, out of Alabama. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Nolan Smith, Georgia. Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. Um, then we get into like our area potentially with Andre Carter, the second out of Army. Derek Hall, Auburn. Dejon Henley, Washington. Jack Campbell. Another one, Iowa, Henry Toto Toto. Hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, out of Alabama, and then Drew Sanders. So, again, with all of these, you're really going to be looking at kind of the second tier for these positions. Tight end, very interesting. I would love if we could draft Michael Meyer out of Notre Dame, not Michael Myers, but Michael Meyer. So, he is probably the best prospect, not probably, he is the best prospect at the tight end position. Good athlete, quickness size, he can catch the ball. He's that pass-catching tight end. He's your number one tight end prospect. I don't think he's going to be available. And luckily, we have Hurst. Darnell Washington, he's more of a blocking tight end. He is 6'7", out of Georgia. 6'7", 264 pounds. He's primarily a blocker. We've already got our blocking tight end or tight ends with Ian Thomas and Tommy Trimble. So not that we would even be able to draft him. But moving down the list into guys that maybe would fall to us, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Really good size. He's also a receiving tight end. I think that's really what we're looking for is that pass-catching tight end. Luke Musgrave, who I've mentioned before, Oregon State. Trucker Craft out of uh, South Dakota. Sam Laporta. Luke Shoemaker out of Michigan. Josh Weil. And then Cameron Latou out of Alabama. I think when you get to the back end of the tight end position that, um, at least if we were planning to take it, Planning to take a tight end early. I don't know. I think we're kind of in that Luke Musgrave mock draft area. I talked about Edge. I think there were a few other people on here. BJ Ujolari out of LSU is kind of this hybrid. There's uh, Adeboware. I hope I'm saying that right. Out of Northwestern. Will McDonald IV out of Iowa State. Lucas Van Ness. Out of Iowa, Keon White, Georgia Tech, Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame, and then Andre Carter, who I mentioned out of uh, Army. And these are your linebackers slash edge slash defensive line. It kind of just depends on the defensive scheme that we talked there. So that is your summary of prospects to watch. I am going to close this out. 
by doing my updated Mock Draft 2.0. Man, what an episode, y'all. All right, y'all, so I have my Mock Draft Simulator pulled up. This is Mock Draft 2.0. So according to Pro Football Focus, we need a quarterback, which we know, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and edge. I could disagree around running back, wide receiver, and tight end, considering we secured those. So anyways, let's get started. We have the first pick right now, the 39th, 93rd, 114th, 132, 145. So I, of course, going to take a quarterback first with Bryce Young, and then I'll talk about my philosophy here in a second. And yeah, you knew I was taking Bryce Young based off of today's episode. So the 39th pick is interesting, primarily because if like there isn't a true guy here that we feel like, you know, is going to be an impact player, that may be an opportunity for us to either move back to try to get more draft capital. And if you've seen Fitter in the draft the past few years, he has been big on moving back and getting compensation, trying to make up for, of course, the capital that we've given away for quarterbacks. But anyways, in this instance, we have uh, two edge players available, which would be a need fulfilled. So Felix Andugaik Ozama out of Kansas State and BJ Ojolari out of LSU. And so Felix is ranked 33rd overall. BJ is ranked 35th. I did not see too much information on Felix, but considering he's one of the top prospects available, I'm going to go ahead and we need an edge present, so I'll draft him. So moving in, so that second round pick is one that we could move off of potentially, or we may just uh, decide to go ahead and take the pick. But anyways, now when we move back further, this is where it'll get really interesting when we talk about our you know, 93rd, 114th pick. I could definitely see us trying to move back. But in this instance, I'm going to go ahead and just stay true. So in my previous mock draft, and one at least, I don't remember if it's the one that I actually did on here, uh, Tink Bigsby, halfback out of Auburn's available, Dwayne McBride, another running back, Michael Wilson, a wide receiver. You know, if we're picking 93rd, Michael Wilson's ranked about 69th overall. That would be an interesting, you know, position for us, but I I don't really like that. I'm going to go ahead and fulfill our need. We really need some help on the edge. So Carl Brooks out of Boiling Green, he's ranked about 56. So definitely looking good there. So I have three picks left, 114, 132, 145. I'm looking to see what we have available. There's not too much on here. Um, it's funny. There's a, a Tanner McKee out of Stanford has been on here the whole time. So as I said, if there was an opportunity for us to get a running back and we're not reaching, that's something to keep an eye on. So Dwayne McBride out of UAB, he is available in the mock draft that I'm doing now. So I'm going to draft a running back. I think having that extra presence with Hubbard and Sanders would be nice. So moving into the final two picks, 132 and 145, I have not gotten a receiver. I think linebacker, I did not draft a linebacker this whole time, and I I, I know we're going to need a linebacker. I needed to figure out where that would best fit in with kind of the draft we're putting together. We've already got two edge. we got halfback. There is a receiver. He's ranked about 117th. Jalen Morino Cropper out of Fresno State. Again, as we get later into the draft, again, you're going to have a bunch of different players that aren't covered, obviously, in the top 10 analysis, but he looks like a good fit. I still, I just can't, I can't draft knowing what we need. I can't draft that. So what I'm going to do, 
There's Cam Jones, linebacker out of Indiana. He's ranked about 124th. Where we're picking right now, I think that is okay. So I'll draft Cam Jones. And that brings up our last pick right now. There's edge available, safety, wide receiver. So I am going to take Jalen uh, Morano Cropper is still here, and we're at pick 145. He's ranked about 117, so I'll go ahead and draft. And that's it, folks. Now, again, I fully believe the Panthers will work some magic here, or Fitter will, and move back to get more capital. It's just my hunch. And or take that second round pick plus third and potentially move up for a true wide receiver one. It's always something to watch. But anyways, let's take a look at the draft. Who did we get? So, of course, Bryce Young. We got an A-plus there. Felix Anundike Uzoma. We got an A. He's an edge. Edge presence, Carl Brooks, edge, got an A for him. Dwayne McBride, A plus, halfback, because he was ranked 80th overall, and we got him in round four at 114th pick. Cam Jones, we got a B minus, which is okay. I mean, he was pick or, or ranked around 124th. We got him at 132, but is what it is. And then wide receiver, uh, Jalen Murano Cropper, like I mentioned. We got him at 145, which is round five, and he was ranked about 117. That that was an A minus. Overall, A plus. But all right, y'all, man, longest episode yet. I feel like every episode is getting longer and longer, but I think part of that is like I am getting into the groove of doing these and it's getting a little bit easier to do it by myself. I just like as a side note, I put out a lot of work work for these things. So initially when I started, of course, like I was just trying to get familiar with the Panthers themselves, but getting into a groove, basically what I do during the week, this is kind of going off the podcast, basically done. But what I do is I like to document, open up a Google Doc. I have this huge Google Doc where I'm tracking all the news that's coming in in the little bit of free time I have. That free time could be at three in the morning when we're feeding the baby, could be on my lunch break, could be after work in the evenings once the baby's down, but trying to stay on top of everything that's happening The Panthers website is a great source because it's coming directly from the Panthers and they put out good content and information for you to digest. Of course, I'm not the only podcast out there. I think it's important to listen to other Panthers podcasts, get their takes and perspectives. But we we want this thing to grow and take off. So anyways, this is all for the episode. What an episode it has been. This is Carolina Dad. Hope y'all have a great day. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and and Facebook. Wow. All right, y'all have a good one. See ya.